to the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now here's lead pastor, Chris Starr. Isaiah chapter 40, beginning verse 28. Isaiah the prophet, watch this. This is powerful. The first verse is powerful. Have you not known? Have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. Uh Uh-oh, get ready. Here we go. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. I got a pastor friend of mine years ago. He got all fired up, and he was going to quote this verse, and he said, they shall mount up with wings as eagles. I wanted to make sure I got that right. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Somebody say amen to the word of God today. All right, you can be seated. If you take the time to focus on God, and that's what we do each and every Sunday morning, but you should do it more than just Sunday morning. You should do it in your personal time and when you're reading the Bible or even if you're listening to a sermon or a podcast or reading a blog and it's if it's talking about God if you take the time slow down get your phone put away stop looking at Facebook if you take the time to focus on God what will happen is that you will have a moment of amazement Every time you focus on God, you're going to have a moment of amazement. There there is no God like our God. There is no God but our God. Okay? And so Isaiah focused on God. He meditated on God. And And in one and a half verses, he gets this revelation of God and he declares multiple attributes of God. He just, it, I mean, that verse 28 is, y'all, is chock full. He said the Lord God is eternal. Y'all, he doesn't have a beginning and he doesn't have an ending. He has always been. Try to, try to think on that. It'll mess your brain up. From, the Bible says from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. He is eternal. He is the Lord. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. What does that mean in your Bible? It's it's the word Yahweh. It's Jehovah. It is the covenant name of God. God who is relational. God who wants to be connected with fallen man and who provides redemption for fallen man so that our relationship can be restored. And is anybody in this house thankful, hallelujah, that we are in the new covenant with God through Jesus Christ and through his blood. Somebody ought to just give Jesus praise today for that. Hallelujah. 
He said that he is the creator. You are not here by chance. You are not here because of some big bang. You are not the product of evolution. But you are here by design. Everything that's here is by design. There is the great designer, the uncaused cause, who made everything. And you are here because God wanted you to be here. You're not a mistake. You're not an error. You're not somebody's mess up. But you are here because God said, I want you to be here. You and your personality and what you are and what you do and how you're designed and you're everything about you. You are who you are because God made you. And more than that, he made you in his image. You are a reflection of the image of God. He is the creator. And then he said he's self-sustaining. Self-sustaining. God doesn't depend on anyone or anything else to exist. It all comes from within him. He is his own resource. He is his own supply. And that's why he'll never run out of resources. That's why the Bible says, but my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. He, he never gets tired. He never gets weary. He never goes on vacation. He doesn't have to take a sabbatical. He wants me to take a sabbatical, but he doesn't have to take a sabbatical. Aren't you glad for that, that he's on call 24-7 and he can always come through? He is self-sustaining. He's all-knowing. Now, that one might scare you a little bit because there might be a few things you wished he didn't know. But he knows everything perfectly. His ways are above our ways. His thoughts above our thoughts. He is all powerful. He gives power to the weak, Isaiah said. That's because he's all powerful. Jesus said, all power, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Jeremiah in his, in his prophecy asked a rhetorical question. He said, is there anything too hard for the Lord? And the answer is, of course, no. There's nothing too hard for God. When, when the angel showed up with Mary and she said, how can I, a teenage girl who is a virgin, give birth to a child, much less the son of God when I've never known a man? And the angel said, with men, things are impossible. But with God, this ought to get somebody fired up, nothing shall be impossible. That's why miracles are possible. That's why healings are possible. That's why deliverances from drug addictions are possible. That's why your marriage can be healed and your marriage can be restored and your family's relationships can be mended and restored because God is all-powerful. So when I read these few verses, and it's, you know, especially that last part, that's pretty popular. A lot of people know that. They wait upon the Lord, shall renew their strength. As I was reading this, what leaped out of the page to me is that there are two lessons to be learned from Isaiah. Can we just learn a couple lessons this morning? Here's lesson number one. What God is, you're not. What God is, you are not. <laughs> Your human characteristics often are the opposite of God's divine characteristics. So he's saying all these things about God and who he is, and then he starts talking about people, and he especially talked about young men, even got into age. I'm going to talk, touch on this in just a minute. And he, and he talked about what we're not. God, God doesn't get tired. We do. God doesn't grow weary. We do. God doesn't faint. We do. You have the capacity to be weak and powerless. God does not. You have the capacity to fail. You don't succeed in everything you attempt to do, right? You often fail. Somebody said, God, 
uh, can do anything but one thing, and that's fail. And this plays out relative to your age. Let me just talk about this for a minute because he touches on this. He's, I'm 53, so I'm not old. I am if you're 12 or 22. But if you're 70, I'm not old yet. That's amazing. It's all relative. Okay? But I'm 53. I'm kind of on that place where I can understand both sides. I've been young, and I'm getting old. About another 20 years, I'm going to get there. And so young people, young adults, if you will, are physically strong, generally. But they lack in wisdom and knowledge and experience and they can't help that because that's a time factor okay they can't help it you, the only way you get wisdom and knowledge and experience is over time older people usually not everybody but normally have a have a plethora of wisdom and knowledge and and experience but they're not as physically strong I mean, if Jaron and I had to have a, a weightlifting contest, I might get 100 pounds up. You know, he'll be bench pressing 300. His arms are like rocks, okay? It's just the way it is. Um, younger adults take a lot more risk. They're fearless. Y'all remember, for those of you older, remember when you were young and you'd do crazy things? I jumped on the hood of a guy's car one time. He went riding up Highway 417 in Malden with me hanging onto a windshield wiper. I don't recommend that. I've done I've done a lot of things, man, crazy stuff. Somebody asked me one time, would you go, would you jump out of a plane, you know, and and uh, and parachute down? And I, I don't I don't like heights. I don't really like planes, but there's something about that that's attractive to me. I just there's a little bit of a rush. I may do that. I figure if George H. W. Bush could do it at 90, I could do it at 53. I want to be strapped on to some guy, though. But, but, but young adults take more risk, but they fail more often. And a lot of times it's because they try things, but they don't have the experience to know, no, don't try that. It won't work. Or they didn't think it through. Older people take less risk, but they often succeed more because they have wisdom to go but fall on and experience to fall on and you know we have this dynamic on our pastoral staff because I have a number of younger men in their 20s some in their 30s one and I'm not going to tell her age and then me <laughs> didn't give Pastor Amy's age away I get in trouble doing that and so and so sometimes they'll come to me and the younger guys will say pastor we got an idea I said give it to me let's go and they'll say and I'll say nah that's a bad idea I can give them five reasons why it is. And they say, well, we didn't think about that. And other times they'll come and they'll, I say, that's a great idea. I think that'll fit. Let's do it. More often than not, they'll come with me an idea. I said, that's a half good idea. This much of it's good, but we can't do the rest of it. That won't work here. Doesn't fit our church. Doesn't fit our culture. Doesn't fit with our people. Doesn't, but I tell you what, let's do, let's do this part of what you said, but let's do this instead. They'll say, we never thought about that, Pastor. I said, well, I'm old. I can tell you all this stuff. I'm old to them. So there's, 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 there's 
you see what I'm saying? We lack. We're never the full package. Somebody, oh, if you could combine the wisdom and the knowledge and experience of old age with the vitality and strength of youth. Good Lord, what I could do. Right? Here's Isaiah's point. Whether you're young or old, you're never the whole package. You're never everything that you ought to be, what you need to be, what you, what you have to have to live life. Here's Isaiah's lesson. You need God. You need God. He said, Pastor, did I come to church this morning to hear you say that? Yes, you did. You need God. You cannot do life on your own. You're not designed to do life on your own. You need him in earthly endeavors. Sometimes you need him to heal you. Sometimes you need him to deliver you. Sometimes, well, all the time, you need him to protect you. You need him to provide for you. You need him to lead you and guide you when you have a decision to make and you don't have an answer. Do you ever do this and say, God, would you please show me what to do? Please tell me what to do. You need that. You need wisdom. How many have ever been in a situation where you didn't know what to do and you say, God, I need wisdom here? And God will give you wisdom. The Bible promises that. You'll, you'll know how to do something. When you get through, you'll say, how did I know to do that? I'm not that smart. You need the favor of God. Those of you who are younger, let me teach you something in life. It is true that it's not so much what you know as who you know. I have seen people who are not as skilled as other people get open doors and opportunities, not because of what they knew, but because they knew the right people. And let me tell you something, you know the right person, his name is God. And, and, and so you get the favor of God. And when you get the favor of God, God opens doors for you. Sometimes you need God to open a door because you can't open that door by yourself. Are y'all getting this? You need help in crises. There are times when you, the doctor's going to shake his head and say, we, we've done all we can do. Medical science is going to say, we can't do anymore. The attorney's going to say, we've gone as far as we can go. The judge and the legal system says, you're done. That's it. That's the extent of how we can process this thing. Even sometimes the preacher is going to look at you and say, there's nothing more I can do personally. The church is going to say, this is the extent that we can do and, and what we can do and how far we can go. But y'all, the wonderful thing about this self-sustaining God is that when we get to man's end, you have just begun with God's beginning and with God's potential and with God's resources and when you're in a crisis y'all you can run to him and find the help that you need you'll never have a crisis God can't handle isn't that wonderful hallelujah you need him in not only earthly endeavors but spiritual endeavors you sure needed to be saved thank God for saved you need him to teach you spiritual truths. You need him to develop you and transform you and make you in the image of Jesus. Sometimes you need his forgiveness because you sin and you fail. You need him to edify you and strengthen you and equip you and empower you for ministry. Y'all, the point is you can't do life on your own. Now you say, Pastor, you're kind of preaching simple. Yeah, well, let me just deal with reality. You would be amazed, and maybe you wouldn't, of people that I have encountered who are so wrapped up in this world and they got it going on. They married some trophy wife or knight in shining armor. They got two perfect, beautiful little kids. He's got his ideal job coming straight out of college. She's either a wonderful stay-at-home mom or she's got her career 
and everything's going good and they bought a house in a nice subdivision and oh they just love it everything they and they're doing things and they're making investments and they're buying property and they've just got this and well here's what happens when everything's going well you can fall into the into the misunderstanding that man I've just I've got it together man look at what I'm doing and you'll think I'm handling that we're healthy the kids are healthy Oh, everything's going good. I don't need God. I'm telling you, I've seen it many times. And if there's ever a country that is tempted to think like that and fall into that, it is the United States of America. Because we have so much and there, is, there are so many opportunities. And this is the land where you can be anything and do anything. That is still true. And yet, if we're not careful... We'll think, I don't really need God. I'll go to church on Sunday, do a little penance to God, give God a little attention, but the rest of the week I don't need God. But let one cancer cell get in your body. Get one bad doctor's report. Let tragedy strike. Let there be a recession and you're the first one they lay off. You know what all of a sudden you'll realize you you aren't the king you'll realize you know what we're in trouble what are we going to do our little world's falling apart I'm telling you you'll realize then you need God but brothers and sisters what this man of God has come to this pulpit today to say to you this lectern this platform is don't let it take a crisis to come to the realization that you need God realize it right now if you're blessed and things are going good, then you ought, to, you ought to come in this place and humbly look up and say, God, right now things are going good and our life is so wonderful. I just want to thank you because I know that you've given all this to us and we're, we just praise you for it, worship you for it. And especially if you're younger, listen to me, I'm not the downer, I'm just giving you reality. Just keep breathing. The older you get, things start happening. The older you get, things start breaking down. The older you get, things can go wrong. The more complex life gets, okay? Let me tell you something. The older you get, you serve the Lord. You'll tell people, man, I've got to have God. I can't get through what I've got to go through if it wasn't for Jesus. So that's lesson number one. You aren't God. I'm not God. We need God. Now here's lesson number two, okay? So I just thought that would help somebody. Lesson number two from Isaiah is, 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 yep, okay, so you need God sometimes, all the time, and particularly in incidents, you need God, but here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to learn how to wait on God. When you need God, let me ask you this. You want him to show up and fix things right now. Am I right? Are you honest? I want him fixed right now. Now, heal my body right now. I need more money right now. I need a job right now. I want that promotion right now. God, I want a wife or a husband. I want a girlfriend or a boyfriend right now. Right? And sometimes we say, God, I want that thing yesterday. But the lesson you have to learn is that sometimes 
You have to wait. There are three stories in the Bible that I want to talk about, I'm going to preach, uh, that for me exemplify the waiting. And there are powerful truths in each one. So I'm going to give you three powerful truths. It's somebody that's got to help somebody. This is like a shotgun today. Ought to, some pellets ought to hit somebody. Okay? So here's story number one. These are some of my favorite stories in the Bible too, by the way. Story number one is the story of Joseph. Joseph. Joseph, it's in the book of Genesis, chapters 37 through 41. Joseph is 17 years old. You got Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then Jacob had 12 children. The children of Jacob are the children of Israel because they changed, God changed his name to Israel. One of the 12 children, his name is Joseph. Joseph is daddy's pet. Joseph is daddy's favorite son. You know, Joseph of many, coat of many colors. All right, the boys are out in the field watching the sheep. Joseph is in the house, kicked back watching ESPN with dad. All right, Joseph is 17, but he's a godly young man. He's a praying man. He serves the Lord. His brothers, not so much. Well, God gives him two dreams, God dreams. And if you ever had a God dream, here's the thing about a God dream, you'll never forget it. 30 years could go by, you can close your eyes, you can play a God dream over in your mind. He has two dreams that reveal that God's plan for him, his destiny is to be a powerful leader, to be a powerful ruler and he just doesn't know how to get there and so he knows it and he's telling his family and they they're ridiculing him and they're scorning him nobody believes in him but he just knows that he's had a dream and he hangs on to that dream and so that dream takes 13 years to come to pass 13 years he's 17 and he had to go into a pit to Potiphar's house, to a prison, before he finally ended up in a palace, and through circumstances extraordinarily divine, he becomes the second in command of Egypt, which at that time was one of the dominant civilizations. And he's number two in command. The dream came to pass. And by the way, you may say, well, pastor, why did he have to wait? Because at 17, he wasn't ready. I don't think I was ready to lead anything at 17. 17, he had a dream. But for 13 years, he had to go through the process. And the leadership aspect of me, part of me, because that's, you know, that's my niche, is coming out right now, is that people want positions and jobs and play, even positions in the church now. And they're young, and they say, why can't I do that? Well, I want to do that. Here's the reason, because you're not ready. Now, it's the church's responsibility to set up some kind of a ministry to get you ready, to develop you. But let me tell you something. You can never discount the process. The process from the pit to Potiphar's house to the prison, two years in a prison to finally ending up in the palace. The process is what prepared him. You have to go through the difficulties. You have to go through the places where you're learning and you're making mistakes and you're growing and you're maturing and your leadership style is developing. There's always a process. He had to wait. And God often uses our difficult circumstances and, and as a process to prepare us for greater things. But eventually the day came at 30 years of age that the dreams came true. I came here this morning with a word for someone. Don't give up on your dream. Don't give up on a word that God has given you. 
you may have shared it with people and they've ridiculed you or snickered or, or said that'll never, even just blatantly said, that will never happen. Don't, don't listen to them. If God has given you a dream, if God has given you a word, you hang on to it and you wait and you let God process you and you let God take you through the different steps and you may wonder why isn't it happening. Y'all ever heard of a guy named T.D. Jakes? Y'all know who T.D. Jakes is, black preacher on television, and I mean, he's big time. I saw Bishop Jakes in, a, in an airport one time. He was walking by, was on trials. I said, hey, Bishop. He, went, he didn't know who I was. He just turned around and waved. <laughs> I, I tell everybody I know T.D. Jakes. T.D. Jakes says he was pastoring a church in West Virginia, the mountains of West Virginia, pastoring a little church. The man's brilliant, unbelievable speaker, anointed. You ever watch him? I mean, man, he, he just, he'll fire you up. Get ready, get ready, get, 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 you know, all that stuff. He, he does that strut across the stage. You better watch out. And he said, God, I, I just see myself doing so much more, but my God, what is it? What, why, 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 why are you leaving here? God told him, you got to wait. If T.D. Jakes was here, he'd tell you I had to go through the process. And when the time was right, God elevated him. He went to Dallas, went to, went to the potter's house or started the potter's house, whatever story, that thing exploded. And today he's worldwide on television and all that. You just see the influence that man has, writing books and whatnot. Listen to me. You can never let go of the dream. Be patient and allow God to take you through the processes. And when the time is right, your dream will become a reality. My second story is, and I read it this week in my own personal studies. It was a lame man who was begging at the temple gate, which had a name. They called it beautiful, the beautiful gate. Okay? We ought to get a door in the church and name it the beautiful doors. You can say, I walked through the beautiful gate in the church. Never mind. Anyway, and so, and so he's sitting at the beautiful gate. Now, here's the story of this man. This man was born lame. Born lame. He's never walked in his life. You read the story, read all the story, and you'll find out that cat was over 40 years old. He's laying at the gate. He has to depend on people to carry him. He cannot work a job. He has to beg. He's, he has a meager income. He's leaning on other people to supply for him 40-plus years. Do you think that guy needed a healing? Yes. Did that guy need, it, need a miracle? Yes. And so he needed it, but he had to wait 40 years. It is even curious whether or not Jesus passed by him many times on the way into the temple. We know Jesus didn't heal everybody that he encountered. He went into the pool of Bethesda with it was full of sick people like a hospital, and he healed how many people? One. So maybe he walked by him. He had to wait 40 years for his healing. But then one day, Peter and John were on their way to the temple to pray, just on their way to church. Only God knows how many times they passed this guy going to the temple every day to pray. But on this particular occasion, the Lord stopped Peter and John in their tracks and said, Stop, I'm going to heal that man. And Peter stopped, and this man's begging for alms. And Peter looked and stopped and said, Look at us. Because he's just looking at everybody, trying to get 
some coins and a cup. And Peter said, look right here. And the man gave them their attention, expecting to get something. Let me just tell you, if you want to get something from God, you better come expecting. You don't come saying, well, maybe maybe you will, maybe you won't. You got to come with faith saying, I'm expecting something to happen when I pray. I'm expecting something to happen when the elders or the pastors lay hands on me and pray for me. And he expected, and Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, I'm going to give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up, get up, and walk. And he grabbed a hold of him and pulled that man up. And instantly, God healed everything that was wrong in his body. And he got his healing. And the Bible says he went into the temple walking and leaping and praising God. Had to wait 40 years. But eventually, his miracle happened. Listen to me. Here's a word for someone. Don't give up on your healing. Don't give up on your deliverance. Don't give up on your miracle. Don't give up on your breakthrough because he still heals and he still delivers and he still works miracles and he still gives breakthrough and he still comes through for us when we're in the dark night and when things aren't going well. He's still a miracle worker. And when God is ready, he's going to come through for you and the miracle will come to pass and Jesus will be glorified. You just got to keep believing. Don't give up. When we used to have a choir up here, Greg McDuffie was standing up here one Sunday. And he had found out that he had a tumor inside of him the size of a football and was headed to Emory. Lee and I went down was, and was with he and Lynn through that surgery. And and, and the doctor told him, one of the doctors told him, said, you're in serious trouble. I mean, it was bad. And I was up here about to preach. I think maybe I just started my message. When James Whittington, James, raise your hands. I'm going to let everybody know. There's James Whittington. James Whittington, God spoke to him. He got up, said, okay. Started walking this way. I thought maybe he had a word from the Lord or something. He came up here. He walked right past me. I said, well. Walked up into that choir, took his hand, laid it on Greg McDuffie's head. God told him to go pray for Greg McDuffie. Started praying for him. Greg said the power of God came all over him. And then after the power of God touched him and God manifested his power, he said all of a sudden a peace came all over me. And I knew everything was going to be all right. Here's the cool part. Later we talked to James. And James said, I had no idea he had cancer. I had no idea he had a tumor. I had no idea he, he was going to surgery. I didn't know any of that. I just knew God had said, go pray for him, and I'm going to heal him. Go pray for him. And that man was obedient. Greg went that next week to have his surgery. I'm down there. This is going to be a multi-hour surgery, a complicated thing. They come back in, in no time. The doctor walks out grinning and says, I don't have an explanation. I don't know how to explain this. This is a mystery to us. But we cut him open and the tumor was there, but it wasn't connected to anything. We just lifted it out and that was it. Somebody tell me how a tumor can live without a blood supply, without a tissue supply. I'm telling you, God still heals. You can't give up on the miracle. Hallelujah. Here's the third story. Man, i got to keep moving. I'm going to get this in. Camp meeting. See, there's no time. I don't have to worry about it. The 120 on the day of Pentecost. Right? Jesus is ascended back to heaven, and he tells the apostles, go back to Jerusalem and wait. Now, this is one of those where they were told to wait. 
And he said, wait, because I'm going to send you the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit. So about 120 of them go back to Jerusalem, go up in this upper room, and they are praying. Now, they have no idea how long they have to wait. They've just been told by Jesus, wait. So they get in this prayer meeting. They're praying because that's how you get things from God. You pray. And so they're praying, and they prayed, and I'm sure they were convinced, oh, the Holy Spirit's going to come. We don't know what that is. We have no idea. We're like, we're like you know, a good non-Pentecostal church. We don't, know what, we don't know what that is, but if it's from God, Jesus said, we got to have it. Let's have it. They didn't know what speaking in tongues was. They didn't know about any of that stuff. They didn't know what was going to happen. They just prayed. It's going to come. It's going to come. They prayed and they prayed and they prayed. I don't know how long they prayed. Finally came time to quit praying. They said, well, nothing happened. What do we do? They said, come back tomorrow. We'll pray again. So they came back the next day and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed. And surely it will happen on the second day. But guess what? Nothing happened. They looked at Peter. They said, what are we going to do? Peter said, come back tomorrow. We'll do it again the third day. We got to pray until. Woo! If I ever help somebody, I'm going to help you right there. You don't pray one time and quit. You don't pray one time and then start making excuses why God's not real or God didn't hear you or God doesn't love me or God doesn't care or God doesn't do miracles anymore or God's never going to heal me. You don't pray one time and make excuses. You just keep on praying. Pray and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Bang on the door of heaven and the door shall be open to you. And they, they came in fourth day, fifth day, sixth day. Now, I've tried to figure this out, and this is very difficult. There are 50 days from Passover to Pentecost. Jesus showed himself alive by many infallible proofs for 40 days. That leaves 10 days. However, Jesus died on Passover, which was Friday to Saturday, Saturday to Sunday. So it's somewhere between eight and nine days. How do you like that for math? How was that, math teacher? Chuck, he can blow a trumpet and he can teach you math. Somewhere, somewhere on the eighth or ninth day, how many of you would pray eight or nine days for something from God? Don't answer it, but I mean in your head answer it. We want everything now. We want it now. If it doesn't happen now, then it must not be real telling you when God's word says it and the promise is made because this was a promise don't ever say God's promises aren't real don't ever say God's promises don't apply the promises of God are yes and amen to every born again believer he doesn't say yes to some and no to others it's yes and amen and the baptism with the Holy Spirit is for every born again believer and so they prayed and it and, and just happened to be that that eighth or ninth day was the day of Pentecost. The feast of Pentecost was a feast that celebrated the ingathering of the harvest. Woo, didn't that work out well? And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were in that place praying. And I love this. The Bible says it was where they were sitting. They were sitting. Think I got to stand in the altar and kneel. Sometimes you ought to just sit down, get comfortable. Lord, we may be here a while, but I'm comfortable. Let's talk. And they were sitting. It said, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven 
like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues like fire. It wasn't fire, but it was the Shekinah glory of God. And one sat upon each of them. And that tells me that the baptism with the Holy Spirit is for everybody. And there is a Pentecostal experience for you and 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 me. And one sat upon, and the Bible says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. And you know what happened? The promise came. God kept his word. And that racket drew a crowd. And that day, Peter and the other 11 preached and 2,000, 3,000 souls, 3,000 souls were saved. Why do you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit to be a witness? Why do you need the baptism with the Holy Spirit so that the power of God can flow through you, so that God can use you as a vessel, so somebody can be healed or delivered or a miracle can take place or get a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom or operating gift in tongues or prophecy to edify the church? We need it, and it's still for today. And let me just say this. I've got a word for somebody. If God has given you a promise, hang on to the promise. Don't let go of the promise. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Hang on and hold on. And if you've prayed for the baptism with the Holy Spirit and it hasn't happened yet, don't quit. Don't give up. Don't talk yourself out of it. It doesn't matter if it takes weeks, months, or years. You keep praying and God will fill you with the Holy Spirit when the time is right. I want you to stand with me. I want to ask everybody to join me down here in these altars. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're going to have to wait. But the promise will come. I get torn between being a pastor, Tony, and being a preacher. It's connected. The pastor side of me says, oh, God, help the church. The preacher side of me is trying to get you to have faith in God. Just trust him, wait on him, let God be God. Jesus said, when, I, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? There's ever something challenging the American church is that if we don't get it right away we just write it off because we got so much else going on we don't have listen we don't have time to wait around on God but if you don't have time to wait on God you're never going to get what God's going to give you Carl Richardson's told the story of a man named Henry Duff. Served the Lord, loved Jesus, went to a church of God, wanted to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and never got baptized with the Holy Spirit. I don't know that he ever took it seriously. He, he, he would pray, but it's kind of like, you know, they told me to pray. It's kind of like a sermon today. All right, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. It was kind of like, if you do, fine. If you don't, fine. You know what I'm saying? This went on for years and years and years. And then he got hungry. He got
got hungry. And he realized he needed the power of the Holy Spirit. He needed to be clothed with the fullness of the Spirit. And he got, got serious about it. He said, I can't, I, can't, I can't go without it. He had, working in a plant, he had 30 vacation days saved up. He told his work, I'm taking the month off. I'll not be in for 30 days. Loaded up his camper with supplies, kissed his wife goodbye, and she said, what are you doing? He said, I'm driving off to a place, a remote place by myself. I'm going to set up this camper and get along with God. I've got 30 days worth of food in the cupboards of my camper, and I'm, I'm not leaving until God baptizes me with the Holy Spirit. He drove that camper off with his mind made up that it didn't matter, Lance, how long it took. He was going to wait on God. Are you with me this morning? If only five people get this, it'll help five people. He pulled that camper up, set it up. I don't know anything about campers. My, my, my idea of camping is a Holiday Inn Express. But anyway, he, they... He said, we're going with you in that big 50-foot something with a satellite TV king-size bed. Now, that's my kind of RV. I've stayed one time, and it was with him. And his shower, I like that. That's like home, man. Motel 6 on wheels is what I was talking about. And, and so he said, I don't know how long it took. He got everything up. Got it all set, ready for the duration. <laughs> Carl Richardson said, he said, he looked over from the camper, and there was a tree. He said, that's a good place. I'm going to go over there, and I'm going to start praying. Henry Duff got over to that tree, got down on his knee, and before he could say the first word, the Holy Ghost fell on him. He started speaking in tongues. He, stood, he prayed, I don't know how long, in the Spirit. The Holy Ghost coming on him in power. He had himself a time for however long it was. Got up, went back over to the camper, packed everything up, cranked it up, and went on home. I'm telling you, if you, my God, I, I'm, I'm gonna shout. I'm getting, I'm feeling Pentecostal this morning. I'm telling you, if you just make up your mind that you're not gonna worry about the clock and you're not gonna worry about the calendar, but you're gonna trust God until you'll get your miracle, your dream will come to pass, you'll get your healing. God will fill you with the Holy Spirit. Come on, all over this place, start praying. I don't know what your need is, but I know there are plenty of needs all over this church because there are people here. And where there are people, there are needs. I want you to start praying, God, here's my need. Here's my need. I'm going to trust you, God. I'm going to trust you, Lord. Give me my miracle. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.